Good morning. We're thankful for the opportunity to be together once again. We're certainly a, a very blessed people, blessed to be able to be together to, today, and thankful that uh, we can look into God's Word and, and learn from the things that He has revealed to us. And we trust as we do that today, you'll find some things helpful. I had surgery on my wrist about a month ago. It's doing fine. And brother, brother Mark asked me if I was sure I could preach. Wasn't sure I, if I couldn't use it properly. And I, I'm not sure. We'll see. But I think I can wave it around enough to be okay. We're going to look at some verses here in Luke chapter 14. Jesus teaches a parable here. He talks about a great supper that a man made. And I want to look at this, and we're going to make a pretty narrow application today. And the application I want to make is to this supper that we have before us today. It's not that I think we've got some huge problem with our communion service. It's that I think it's exceedingly important that we, we remember what this is about and that we know and understand why we do this on a weekly basis. It's not some ritual. That, that's not what it's about. And I think that as we look at what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 14, we can learn some really important things about why we commune like we do. So beginning in verse 15, Jesus says here, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say, those, say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuse. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. So as we consider what Jesus teaches here, I recognize that there's some broader application that we can consider and that we could make from this parable that Jesus teaches here. But as I stated earlier, I want to make a narrow application because I believe we have a great feast that God has prepared for us, and that's what this Lord's Supper is about. 
And I want us to consider what he teaches us here within that narrow context today. So I want us to notice here. He says, the first thing I want us to notice is that this man gave a great supper. And he said there was a lot of people invited. But then when it was time to partake, to come eat, to enjoy this great supper, he went and told them. He sent his servants and said, It's time. Come to the feast. Come to supper. Now's the time. So, God has prepared this great supper, this massive, wonderful feast for you and I today. And now's the time. And God bless you today for being here. You, accept, you have accepted the invitation to come be a part of this. And it's a good thing that you're here. All things are now ready. But then there was a group that had been invited that it could, could come and enjoy the blessings of doing this that made excuses. Now there's a whole lot that can be said and that we can learn about these three excuses that are offered. And that's not my purpose today. So we're not going to spend a lot of time about how creative or how good the excuses may or may not be. The point is, there is no excuse. So the Master said, go invite everybody. I want my house full. That's what God wants for His people. He wants us to be here. And what I want us to take away today is that when we come and we partake of communion, God is honored, God is glorified, but we're blessed. We're blessed by doing the very thing that God has asked us to do. And when we miss out on that, we miss out on a blessing for ourselves. So here's the three things we want to spend our time emphasizing. It's the Lord's Supper. It's communion. We, we refer to it diff, in different ways. But, but this is the feast. This is the meal. This, this is what I want us to think about today. We're going to look at some specific things about the feast. And then we'll notice a little bit more about the excuses that were offered. So in Matthew chapter 26, this event was, I guess is famous probably in the secular world because a great painter by the name of Da Vinci painted a, a painting. Drew an artist. He was an artist, amongst lots of other things. 
But he created this painting. It's called The Last Supper. And, and un, I, I think in some ways it's unfortunate that that's what comes to my mind when I think about Matthew 26. Because I want us to focus on, on the imagery that these words that God give us has given us create. And as they were eating, it says, Jesus took bread. Now they had had a secular meal here. Jesus got together with His disciples and they had a meal. They, they ate. But then notice what it says. He took bread... He blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Now this was a different kind of meal. And it's one of the things you hear from secular people about what we do here. It's just gross. And Jesus said, This is my body. They don't understand, do they? Then he took the cup. It gets worse. (laughs) He took the cup and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine, now, from now on until that day when I drink it, knee with you in my Father's kingdom. This is my body. This is my blood. Let's remember that. In John 6, Jesus explains what this is all about. And I'm not going to read this whole discourse here in John 6, but if you don't understand, you need to read the whole thing. I'm going to read parts of it and bring your attention to parts of it, but read the whole thing in John 6. He explains it in great detail. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves, and were filled. He's referring to the miracle that He had performed where He fed thousands of people with a very few loaves and a very few fishes. And they were impressed. And that's what He's referring to here. And He says, that's why you're following Me around. Because I provided a meal for you, and you were able to stuff yourselves. Do not labor, he says. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Remember what we read in Matthew 6? 26, I'm sorry, Matthew 26. My body and my blood. God has set His seal on Him. And this is the food 
he says, which endures to everlasting life. How does that work? Well, let's read on. Verse 50, This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I enjoy eating. I like to be full. But it doesn't last, does it? It never lasts. This bread is different. We can eat of that and not die, he says. So what's he doing? You read all of John 6, you'll understand he's contrasting where we started, the physical and the spiritual. That's the contrast. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give, give us his flesh to eat? See that? carnal reaction to what Jesus teaches here? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. If we have a carnal reaction, a natural reaction... A logical, clear-thinking reaction, right, to what Jesus says here, we're going to die. We're going to all die physically anyway, but we will die spiritually if we do not understand what Jesus teaches us here. So in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what teaches us about this communion. It's what Jesus was using to teach us when He said, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, that's the Spirit teaching us about spiritual food. The natural man is not going to get it. They are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And I'm... I'm not going over that to be critical of people that don't understand communion. That's not my point. But if you're here today and you don't understand this, please consider what He says here. 
It's not the natural man that's going to understand because this is spiritually understood. So let's read on. 1 Corinthians 11. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So we have a physical piece of bread here that that we're going to partake of here in a little bit. We're going to break a piece of that off. We're going to take that bread. There's a physical action required to do what Jesus said we needed to do. But He gave us that physical action to do so that it would help us to focus our minds on the spiritual. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, he's not talking about whether or not we're good enough to take communion. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the way that we do it. And the way that we do it is where is our mind at? And if we think this is just some ritual that we're supposed to do every Sunday, and our mind is off somewhere else, we've missed the whole point. We're not drinking in the worthy manner. And it's not, it's that simple, folks. It is that simple. Where is your mind at? What are you thinking about when you eat this bread? You don't recognize, when you take this bread, if you don't recognize and remember that it's Jesus' broken body and what that does for us, then we miss the benefit of taking communion. In John 4, Jesus says, The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And I hope we understand that communion is an important part of our worship today. And doing it the right way is important. We follow the truth. But if we only do half of it, it's not true worship. That's why it's spiritually discerned. We have to remember and practice both parts of this for it to be true worship. It is the Spirit who gives life, Jesus says. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So we partake of this bread. We recognize and remember that Jesus offered His body on the cross and it was broken for you and I.
gives us life. So there's two parts. And I want to make a very clear distinction here if I can, because I'm not sure we always do this. But there's two parts for a reason. They do two different things, accomplish two different purposes. And there could be 50 parts, I suppose, but there's two. And I believe it's illustrated here in Psalms 104 and verse 15. The psalmist says, Wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. And I know there's three things mentioned here, but I, I want us to focus on the fruit of the vine, the wine, if you will, and the bread. And notice what he says those two things do. One strengthens... One brings joy. And I believe that's why there's two parts to what we do here. We need spiritual strength. And we need joy. If we come every Sunday... And we do this, and we leave here, and we're not strengthened and more joyful. I think we need to one think about whether or not we did what we were supposed to. And I struggle with this, folks, because I know, I know it's a habit. I know it's a habit. I've been doing it for 50 years. I've missed a few times, but not very many. But that's not why we're here, because it's a habit. But if we fall into a rut, and we don't get our mind where it's supposed to be, coming and doing it, we're not going to be strengthened, and we're not going to have any more joy. So when we think about what happened at Corinth, they were doing the physical part, the truth part, I suppose. But they weren't worshiping in spirit. They had it all out of whack. And he says, that's why you're weak and sick, asleep. Hebrews 9, verse 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Strength. It takes strength to live the Christian life. We have to have strength. 
It's not easy. You can't just go out there in the world and stumble into this thing. We need strength to do it. It takes strength to overcome temptation. It takes strength to overcome heartache and discouragement. It takes strength. One of the most touching songs for me personally, probably not even going to be able to remember the title of it, but there's a line in this song that says, I am weak, I am worn, I'm tired. That's the way I feel. It takes strength. We have to have spiritual strength. And we get that Romans 5, much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life, He says. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We, we should have a lot of joy in our life. I, I mentioned the challenges that we have and, and why we need strength. But we should have a lot of joy too. And we need to be reminded of the blessings that we have so that we can be joyful. And I hope I can do better because people should see our joy. They should know we're joyful. They should know we rejoice in the fact that we have a hope of heaven, that we've been reconciled to God. And when we partake and we think about the blood of Jesus and what all it does for us, we should leave this place more joyful. Rejoice in God, he says. So this is the definition of the word translated, communion, or I can't say that word, I'm not going to try to, but it means fellowship. So one of the great blessings that we receive from communion is connected to fellowship.
And fellowship means we're here together. I I didn't get this I didn't get this verse in my PowerPoint, but I, I want to mention it right here. I believe it's in Matthew five. And Jesus is talking to them about their old covenant worship because he uses the phrase altar. But he says is if, if, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has a problem with you, then you, just, you need to stop. You need to go fix the problem with your brother and then you can come back and offer your gift, your worship. I wanted to mention that so that I could emphasize how important it is for us to be together, not just physically. And I understand how this works because it happens to me all the time, unfortunately. The devil don't have to keep us from coming to church. That's, that's not what he has to do. All he has to do is get us distracted. And, and I know sometimes people have their phone out in our assembly and they are looking at the Bible. But sometimes we're just distracted. We just live a life of distraction. Sometimes I, I catch myself, I'll be, I'll have the, I'll put it this way, I have the TV on and looking at my phone at the same time, but then I gripe about Katie doing that, right? And it's a challenge. I, I get it. I know it's a challenge. But folks, when we're here, we don't need distractions. And these problems that we have with each other are a distraction. And they need to get fixed so that we can truly fellowship and focus and have our mind together. We already read this in Matthew 26, but I want to remind you of what he said. I will drink it with you. So our fellowship is not just with one another, it's with him. <laughs> He's here. Jesus, our Lord. This is His body and His blood. He's here.
The cup of blessing which we bless, it is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For though we many, we're all individuals, we are one bread and one body. For we... Being individuals are one bread and one body. Why? Because we're all thinking about the same thing. Unless we're distracted. So I'm not going to re- go through and read all of these. If you're not familiar with them, I, I ask you to do that. Just going to refer to them. Acts 2 and 44, the Bible says, All that believed were together. Acts 20 and 7, the disciples came together. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, Paul makes a plea to be perfectly joined together. Philippians 1, stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Romans 15, 5, be like-minded one toward another. So with one mind and one mouth you can glorify God. And I know all those are not specifically talking about communion, but they are all talking about being together. Having our mind in the same place. 1 Corinthians 11, again, where he was correcting the problems they had with the Lord's Supper. He said, what you've been doing, you've been coming together You were together physically, but it wasn't for the better. It was for the worse. We do need to be together. It's good that we're together physically. But we need to make sure that we're focused and we get our minds together too. And when we do that, we are tremendously blessed. And God is pleased, I believe, with what we do. We honor Him. We glorify Him. We remember Him. And we're blessed. Strengthened. So I just want to make a couple observations about the excuses. So, some of them had bought land. Some of them had bought oxen. And some of them had married a wife. I'm going to take you to Luke 8. 
we had a study about this on Wednesday night. But I want you to know what he says here in the parable of the sower about the seed that had fell among thorns. They heard. They were invited to the feast. But they were choked. They had allowed Satan with all of this stuff to choke them. It's just a distraction. It's all it is. And they found a convenient excuse. And brought no fruit to maturity. Let's not allow life to choke us. Let's not allow these things to become an excuse in any context in our service to God. But in the context of our study today, certainly not an excuse to miss this. And I don't, I don't want it to sound like today that communion is the only important part of what we do here. I, I believe everything we do when we come together to offer worship to God is very important. But this is part of it. And the challenge is the same. To come... And to stay focused. Stay focused. So we're going to conclude here with Hebrews 12. Where the writer says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest ye become weary and discouraged in your souls. And that's our goal. And I believe that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be strengthened, to be full of joy, prepared to live in the world, prepared to overcome the challenges, the difficulty, the discouragement. He don't want us to be worn out and tired. That's not what God wants. So I want to encourage you today, when, when we commune and when we do all of the things in our service to God, let's remember Him and consider what He did to overcome the weariness and the discouragement. We want to offer the invitation at this time. We don't like to conclude our this part of our service without giving people an opportunity to come and put their request before the congregation for help. If there's some way that we can help or encourage you today with prayer or if you need to respond and obey the gospel today, we would give you that opportunity as well. Please come and make your wishes known as we stand and sing the song selected.